With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In May, the State Health Department welcomed Dr. Len Peruski as director of the Wadsworth Center, the public health lab that entered the public consciousness during the pandemic for its role in COVID-19 testing and is now poised for a $1.7 billion upgrade. And we're lucky to be joined by Director Peruski on the Capitol Press Room. Welcome to the show, Doctor. Thank you, David. I'm really glad to be here. It's our pleasure. So from your perspective, what is it that is appealing to you about serving as director of the Wadsworth Center? Well, first and foremost are the people. I have been highly impressed for decades with the Wadsworth Center and its staff. They always exhibit the highest professionalism. The science expertise is renowned. It's internationally known. And then the other aspect of this is it's a unique institution. It's a rare uh, juxtaposition, if you will, of basic research and public health surveillance. And those two things together ultimately impact the people the population that they're trying to serve. So this is a rarity in modern public health, is being able to have an organization such as the Wadsworth Center that conducts world-class, international-class research, but at the same time takes that international-class research and translates it into public health action. So to me, that's the most, those two things, the people and the work, uh, the way it's structured, are what attracted me to this position. Well, it's interesting to hear you talk about the Wadsworth Lab and its notoriety around the world, because for most listeners, I have to imagine your former employer, the CDC, is more well known to them than, say, the Wadsworth Lab. So what is it about the Wadsworth Lab that garners attention, as you said, around the world historically? Well, let's look at some things outside of my area of expertise, which is in laboratory diagnostics and infectious disease. The newborn screening program is one example. This is something that the Wadsworth Center has pioneered, which is cutting edge and sets the standard internationally for how newborns should be screened. Uh, second aspect on this is our regulatory network. Uh, the regulatory framework for the state of New York actually predates the federal government's framework. And when I've worked internationally for CDC, as you mentioned, and also the U.S. military, questions have come up on how we regulate health systems. And going back to this, people have heard of the Wadsworth Center and their pioneering efforts in the 1980s of setting this up. So again, at the cutting edge of what is now considered commonplace. And then the final aspect, I'll just say on the non-infectious disease side, is the ability of the Wadsworth Center 
to do environmental surveillance. Chemicals, toxins, all of these things that are routinely screened for in New York State and that we take for granted have in large measure been pioneered at the Wadsworth Center and that have been extended not just nationally, but have shown up in global applications such as, such as with World Health Organization or other international agencies. So Wadsworth really is kind of a, a hidden gem, if you will, in terms of basic research around health issues, as well as their application in the terms of public health. So I don't know how settled in you are at the Wadsworth Lab at this point, but upon taking the job, were there certain aspects of the culture or the work environment, either at the CDC or in the military, that you would like to bring with you to the Wadsworth Center? I think the biggest thing, it's a good question. I think the biggest thing that I'd like to bring to the Wadsworth Center is essentially for to strengthen the morale. One of the lessons from the pandemic, and this is not unique to the Wadsworth Center, our health workers and public health workers were severely beaten up emotionally, and in some cases physically, uh, because of the workloads that they've had. The Wadsworth Center did an amazing job, as did the healthcare network that spans the state of New York. And what I remind, want to remind them of is the rich legacy that they've had. This was, for many of them, and hopefully, a once-in-a-lifetime crisis. New York is extremely resilient as a state. It has incredible resources, a strong personal integrity in terms of how it approaches problems and deals with them head-on. But this comes at a cost. So if I was to bring anything to this job, it's simply to remind the people of their history, how well they have done, and to be proud of that, to lean into it, and then look to what's going to be coming next. We've got to start being ready for the next generation that's going to be coming along, the new technologies, the new health questions, uh, the population uh, that is emerging now within the state of New York. Based on your background, whether it's your education or your work experience, are there aspects of your work at the Wadsworth Center where you feel particularly comfortable in exploring? And are there other areas where you feel like you'll have a bit of a learning curve because of maybe the area of expertise and what's being examined there? Yes, David, that's also an excellent question. Again, it, with modern public health and modern life sciences research, it's no longer possible to know and be a subject matter expert or SME in all areas. And I've never tried to proclaim myself really as an expert in anything. The, as I've learned in my career, the more I do, the more I learn, the less I know. And again, I know that's an old saw or a trite phrase, but it is very true. Where I feel strongest in is in laboratory diagnostics and infectious disease, as, as I've mentioned. My career spans about 30 plus years in that between the military, civilian, and CDC. Where I feel less, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but less knowledgeable is probably a better way to put this, is within programs around chronic disease, environmental surveillance in those aspects. So I've been spending a lot of time in those areas trying to come up to speed. I jokingly tell the staff, I'm trying to learn to be uh, a competent kindergartner by the end of this month, and hopefully I'll be at the second grade level uh, by the end of the summer. But I am a fast learner, and the other strength here at Wadsworth 
I've got the world experts in many of these areas to help teach and educate me. So I, I don't see these as any significant issues. I see these as actually they're quite interesting to me to sit down and talk with people on environmental toxins, to learn about, as I mentioned, the newborn screening program and come up to speed in those areas. But again, great question. Well, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. Uh, you're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Dr. Len Peruski, the new director of the Wadsworth Center in the Capitol Region. And I'm curious, when you think about your function moving forward, how much of your duties will be, say, in a lab, and how much would be administrative? I know that's probably not going to be the only two uh, pots of where your time might be divvied up, but from those two perspectives, how do you envision spending your time? Well, David, again, you're right on, on target with questions, and I'm, I'm not bashful about introducing myself. I say to many people when I'm talking with public groups, I introduce myself as somebody who used to be a microbiologist. My time in the laboratory will be sparing to none. There are other folks that are more competent, that are more skilled in modern techniques and technologies that will be leading the charge at the laboratory bench. That's a fact. I will be visiting the laboratories. I'll be learning about them. I want to find out what resources they need, where they're going with their research, so I can better represent and explain that, not just to the state of New York, but also to the citizens of New York. The other aspect, as you touched upon, is going to be administrative. This is an immense institution. It has significant burdens and significant taskings by the state and by its citizens to achieve. And I want to be a good steward. I want to represent that properly. And I want to make sure that the staff of the Wadsworth Center has the best possible support. So I see that as my job. I see myself as part of the team that makes up the Wadsworth family and ultimately the Department of Health for the state of New York. You've talked about supporting staff uh, a couple times now. And I'm curious how much of that conversation revolves around pay for staff and ensuring that the ranks are filled up because as you alluded to earlier there's been a real depletion of public health workers so is that really what we're talking about when you're talking about rebuilding public health uh, workforce in terms of making investments in it that's correct partially um, so one thing we need to look at is making sure that we have the proper infrastructure for public health in the future. So I'll come back to the new laboratories right now. Some of the laboratory facilities at Wadsworth are pushing 90 years old or more. Um, others built in a time when certain safety regulations or infrastructure requirements such as the internet weren't even envisioned. So part of this is making sure that we have an infrastructure that can be ready for the next 50 years. That's what the new laboratory is about. And the other aspect of that is, is Wadsworth, most people don't realize, is spread across five distinct campuses. That is not conducive to efficiency. It is not conducive to the best possible science. So what we want to do is get everybody under one roof as quickly as possible so we can do better science and better public health. Now, staffing, that's key. Wadsworth, from what I can see, is down significantly from its key day uh, about 10 to 15 years ago in terms of staffing. We need to rebuild that. 
Uh, we have a strong commitment from the governor and from the legislature to help grow the staff at Wadsworth, but we want to do that in an intelligent fashion. So it's going to be a gradual process to bring on new staff at all levels, whether they are support staff, administrative staff, basic research, or public health scientists. Uh, this is not something that's going to be fixed overnight, but we need to develop a roadmap that looks out in, in essence, makes us good stewards of what Wadsworth is going to look like over the next 50 years. And after a quick break, we'll have more with Dr. Len Peruski, the new director of the Wadsworth Center, the public health lab that entered the public consciousness during the pandemic and is poised for a $1.7 billion upgrade. Capital Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. For listeners just joining us, we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Len Peruski, the new director of the Wadsworth Center, the public health lab that is poised for a $1.7 billion upgrade in Albany. You mentioned that idea of securing resources both for public health workers and the facilities that you're going to be utilizing. Are you comfortable taking on that advocacy role on behalf of the Wadsworth Center, essentially becoming the top lobbyist when it comes to asking the state legislature and the governor for stuff? Or would you dread taking on that role and begging around with a tin cup? I don't mind circulating a tin cup. I've done that most of my career, whether it's been with the military or with the Centers for Disease Control. I don't view myself as a lobbyist. There are competing demands for taxpayer dollars, whether it's at the federal, state, or local level. And we have to be respectful of that. Money literally does not grow on trees. I think it's more of looking to what is mission critical and what is also practical and then living within those means. As far as lobbying up to the legislature, that's going to be up to my boss and also the Department of Health about how they want me to talk to the legislature or even if they want me to talk to the legislature. My job is to help develop the Wadsworth Center and keep it on track as essentially the flagship public health research institute for the United States. When you think of Wadsworth role in the country more broadly, do you feel like it should be collaborative in nature? Should we be reaching out to other states so we're not, say, duplicating efforts? Or is there something unique about New York and the way we do things at the Wadsworth Center that leads us to be standalone entity trudging our own course through the snow? What I would look at here is Wadsworth has been at the forefront of so many things. We have been a leader in terms of public health, as the state has in many categories over the past century. So looking at the roots of Wadsworth back in the early 1900s, we've kind of set the pace and the tone for the country. As far as collaborating 
with the country? Yes, we do. I'm very proud of that fact. Wadsworth, for example, is part of the Laboratory Response Network, which spans the United States, which means we work with about 70 other public health institutions across the United States in preparedness for emergencies, as well as surveillance. And we do collaborate closely with other institutions in broad areas, such as tuberculosis, sexually transmitted disease, and also newborn screening. And we're sharing our information around environmental screening for different toxins and chemicals that have now entered into our different systems. So I view us as doing an excellent job at outreach in setting the standards in where the country should be looking for potential problems. And the other role that we've played very nicely is education. We share our expertise, and this is a powerful lesson. It also helps grow our younger staff. It gives them exposure and opportunities to develop as scientists, to develop as healthcare workers, to develop as professionals. So again, you asked really good questions. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate the constant buttering up. Um, when you think about your work and some of the science that you guys are leading the way on, are there opportunities to monetize the work that you're doing? Is that something that is already underway or something that could be tapped further moving forward? Yes, that is something we're actively looking at. There are opportunities here to potentially monetize or at least patent or copyright different technologies that are being developed or have been developed at the Wadsworth Center. Whether or not those will turn into commercially viable products depends on the market. But we are looking at some areas right now within terms of our diagnostic assays and potentially down the road, some of our information technology tools that we're developing as well. But again, that's going to depend on what the state decides they want to do, as well as what is commercially viable, what the market will decide on those technologies. Would that represent a change in pace from what your predecessors might have done? I think it simply reflects that there are newer opportunities right now. Across government sectors, there have been liberalizations in ways that mm. technologies and things can be privatized. We're past, where in the past, those frameworks, when I started in science 40 years ago in graduate school, those opportunities didn't exist things could not easily be translated to the private sector. So they were published, they were picked up by the private sector, but there was little gain for the public institutions that had developed them. And now because of differences in regulations and laws, that's possible. So I'm hopeful that we can capitalize on those in the coming years. When the work at the Wadsworth Center is completed, are there new areas of science that you'll be able to explore that are, are currently not possible either due to the diffuse structure of the Wadsworth Center being spread across multiple labs or because of the existing technology that you have access to? Yes. I think one of our biggest areas we will be able to expand greatly is in our genomics and also into metabolite analysis. There are new technologies that when I was starting in the military, were what we would call bleeding edge technologies. Most of the time they didn't work, but when they did, they were fabulous. Now those are becoming things that are much more mainstream in terms of reliability. So the ability to look in and discriminate and interrogate individual cells to potentially find out all genetic information and to make recommendations for lifestyle changes or 
risk factor or identify risk factors for environmental concerns or genetic markers that may predispose to certain diseases. Those are things that we can move into. And we can move into those at a population level, which is important for deciding what we need to do in terms of responses, in terms of investments for healthcare, and also in terms of what types of workforces will need to be developed for the future. Another area in which Wadsworth and the state of New York have pioneered is environmental screening. So for example, in infectious disease, it had long been talked about, but not possible to look for infectious disease agents by testing wastewater. Now we can do that routinely. The power of genomics has made that possibility and it can be routinely done. The problem with that is it requires a lot of computational power and Wadsworth's current infrastructure is not sufficient for that. So with the new facilities, we're going to have an infrastructure that's going to allow us to bring the computational needs to bear on these questions and others that we can't even anticipate. There have been so many changes over my career in terms of what is possible in the life sciences and in the public health sciences, things that we didn't even see on the horizon. So I'm kind of excited to see what will come next, what will be possible with this new facility as it comes online. Well, finally, before I let you go, it would be probably some sort of journalistic malfeasance if I didn't ask you about pop culture and zombie apocalypses. Are there any movies, TV shows, books that you feel like do a particularly good job in capturing the science or the response to a, a zombie apocalypse? Much of what I've seen, things like World War Z, um, The Last of Us, don't do too bad of a job with it. I think that's one of the strengths of movies and literature is they can take us out of that Ivy Tower mode and make things a little more exciting, a little more interesting, and even glamorizing a bit of what we do routinely in the laboratory. And I've got to admit, I'm a big fan of uh, the zombie books, everything uh, back from, oh, I'm trying to think of the classic, the very first zombie book from the 1950s. Um, Will Smith did do a nice job on the remake when that came out. I Am Legend? I Am Legend. That was actually the book I was thinking of. Gotcha. Well, we've been speaking with Dr. Len Peruski. He is the director of the Wadsworth Center and maybe an amateur zombie hunter. Dr. Peruski, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, David. I appreciate your time too. Take care. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.